0: Bonjour et bienvenue sur La Politique I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith Parlez-vous français? Well, if you want to be a CEO of a major national company, I suggest you learn First Air Canada and now SNC-Lavalin The French language debate is once again taking off Both CEOs have recently got into hot water for their inability to deliver speeches in French, all under the backdrop of Quebec's efforts to bolster Canada's French language laws with Bill 96. And to unpack this debate, I'm joined by two of my colleagues, Philippe Gervais, the managing principal of Navigator's Montreal office, and André Pratt, a former journalist and Canadian senator, and now principal at Navigator. Saddle up for this debate, it's a wild one. This is Political Traction. All right, well, I have two very special and wonderful colleagues joining me from Montreal. I have Philippe Gervais and Andre Pratt, as mentioned in the intro, and they are here to talk to me about this dust-up, talk to all of us about this dust-up over English-speaking CEOs in Quebec, which seems to have sort of snowballed now, as, as we were just recording this late last night, the CEO of SNC, Lavalin, also announced he's delaying his speech um, that he's going to make to the Canadian Club of Montreal until he gets his French tutor in order and he'll see us in, in, the, in, the, in the winter, in the new year when he's got his French up to snuff. Um, and this is after, of course, the, uh, the CEO of Canada got into some hot water when he was in a media scrum and had asked reporters to repeat their questions in English because he didn't quite understand it and then asked if he could speak French. And he was like, well, not really, but you know, Montreal's a great city. I can get along without it. And I'm like, whoa. Um, so to us English canes, we're like, yeah, okay. That's nice that you can get along without speaking French in, in Quebec. But um, given the backdrop of Bill 96, I think of, or is 95, I'm not sure. Is it Bill 96 or 95? 96. 96. 96. <laughs> yeah, Bill 96 um, and the amendments there and sort of the dust-up language rights. And we know that Legault is going to an election next year. I wanted these two experts here to weigh in on this because um, unlike me, who kind of doesn't see a big deal about Quebec CEOs not speaking French, apparently it is a big deal. So, Andre, you wrote a piece uh, in the Toronto Star this week on this. So maybe... Why don't you give us your take on why this, this dust-up is something bigger than than just a little bit of fl- political fray?
1: Yeah, well, uh, obviously, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of politics in there. But uh, uh, first of all, I think you have to distinguish the case of SNC-Lavalin, which is a private corporation, and I guess they can do what they want, although uh, many people would feel I guess, insulted by the fact that the CEO is not curious enough of the culture where he lives to learn a language. But this is different than Air Canada because Air Canada is a private corporation, but it's a former Crown corporation. And it is um, it, it, in the Air Canada Act, Commercialization Act it is indicated that, stated, that Air Canada is still under the Official Languages Act, right? So it's a bilingual private corporation. And uh, I think that, I mean, Air Canada, when it was commercialized, privatized, uh, the shareholders got to use the name Air Canada, which is a very powerful brand, which they use a lot in their advertising, obviously, but there are also some conditions to using this brand, and one of the conditions is that you have to uh, commit to respect the the Official Languages Act, which means uh, that you're a bilingual corporation. And if you're a bilingual corporation, but your CEO does not speak one word of one of the country's official uh, languages, languages, it's. Um, uh, I think it, it, some people are insulted, and I think they're quite right. I mean, there there's a so many people who, including business people, including business people who use English all, all day. But many, many of them thought that this was unacceptable because their Canada is a bilingual corporation.
0: And, you know, obviously his argument back to that was, well, we spend millions of dollars on this and, you know, my French is blah, blah, blah. I mean, I take your point. I definitely take your point on that. I still think the idea of tying his compensation like Freeland writing the the letter tying his compensation to his ability to speak French to me seems a little bit over the top, but um, I think your point, which has not yet been made to me like that way, Andre, about you know the lack of curiosity about the culture that you're in, to the point where you're not even bothering to learn the language, I think is is holds holds its own, right? And you could argue maybe he does, but his flippant sort of response in that press conference probably was ill phrased. I'm guessing he would say it differently if he was asked now. Um, but, but Philippe, you know, you've been a political, you know, mover, shaker. We see the surface of this argument, but there's obviously lots of politics going on underneath. So can you dive into that a little bit for us, you know, Anglophones, Westerners who do not understand kind of the nature of the politics of this in Quebec?
2: There's politics and there's history, right? And, and, and even go to the point that there's a political history there. Um, you know, growing up as, as a very young, young man, you know, in the early 70s, we there was still this talk of, and there was still this 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 image that you cannot climb uh, the business ladder and get to the C suite if you did not speak English, if you if you were not perfectly aligned, and even there was even a certain a feeling that probably true in some cases where. If you were a francophone, you were blocked to you were blocked from accessing the C-suite, no matter how good you were. And and through that, we've you know obviously we've had we've had we had the '70s election of the PQ government. We've had Bill 101, and this whole resurgence of, of francophone to the point where you know they are now Quebec-based, you would argue French-speaking companies, whether it's Bombardier, whether it's snc Lavaline uh, that we mentioned earlier, uh, or others that have made it. Um, but there is still there is still That that feeling that, you know, if you're going to be in Quebec, if you're going to be working in Montreal, that you should respect the language, you should respect the culture, and you should make an effort to try to learn it. And and I don't think Quebecers are expecting people to be, you know, CEOs to be perfectly bilingual, whether they're at SNC Lavalin or Canada, but uh, we expect them to make the effort. Right. If you were if you were based, if you were a German company and you hired an American to come in, you know, the best in the industry to come in and run your business, you would expect that person to learn some German um, and and be able to converse with with colleagues in the C-suite in at a certain point in German. Um, So that's part of it. The other part of it uh, in more in more recent history, I would say, is is there there's been a move to to counter some of the. I guess some people feel that Montreal has been hitting a little bit more on the English side with a lot of immigration and try to bring French back into it. And bill 96 was, is all, is, you know, the the feeling behind that and the idea behind it, and we can go into the details whether they're right or wrong um, in in the way they're doing, but that's really kind of the political impediment that they're trying to to meet. And we, and we even saw with bill 96, we saw the federal government and Melanie Jolie at the start of of the year uh, when she was still minister of, of Canadian heritage, start start talking about for, you know, forcing uh, federal companies to adhere to Bill one to Bill one hundred and one, right in Quebec. So you've got you've got this this movement of trying to uh, go a little bit, maybe a step further on the French side, or, or, or you know, trying to make up the, the the step back that some people may feel uh, has been taken and bring that back forward. So in that context when you're the president of, of, of Air Canada, the CEO of, of Air Canada, and you make this flippant comment about, you know, and you're, you've got a French last name, you've got a French wife, you know, Quebec based wife, your grandmother was a Francophone, you've been living here for 14 years. And then you tell people that I can live in Montreal in English perfectly without any problems. Well, that's the that's the second that Simon-Jeanet Barrette, the minister that's, that's behind Bill 96 stands up and says, that's exactly why we're, we've got Bill ninety six because there's still some people in Montreal that can go through their whole life without spending fr- without speaking a word of French and can go through their life whether it's shopping, working, or going to the gym without speaking a word. And that's where that's where there's that pushback.
1: Yeah, and Amanda, there are a lot of English speaking Montrealers who are angry at Mister. Rousseau because the image that he that he uh, the, the the perception that many people have now after his his speech his english only speech and his flippant comments is that you know the english minority in quebec has not changed they're still as arrogant they're still and this is not true i mean the you know english speaking quebecers who have decided to remain in quebec have learned french are bilingual at the vast majority and they believe that they will pay a cost for his Gaff, if we can call it that, uh, because their rights will be even further constrained. Uh, but there's another issue, if I may, Amanda. Uh, yeah. Because you, you said you said Air Canada, they said Air Canada says we spend millions of dollars to you know try to provide services in both official languages and so on. It's true, but it's also true that Air Canada has the by far the highest number of complaints uh, to the uh, official languages commissioner because they oftentimes don't do a good job at offering these services in both official languages and of course if the CEO of the company you know says well I'm I'm not learning French because I don't have time my schedule is so full I just don't have time what sort of example does that give to the employees you know in the airplanes and on the ground who are told that they they better learn French because they will have to offer services in French so he just doesn't set the right example I think for a former crown corporation still under the official languages act
0: well you're both being positively reasonable and now i feel as if i'm (laughs) my My take my hot take was like like yeah that makes sense he should be somewhat curious and learn a couple words like we don't need him to be you know the you know lego here speaking eloquently in prose but yeah okay i i i do and it's it's interesting the point about english-speaking montrealers right who anglophones who now i yeah totally will have this backlash which i think they're already fearing with with 101 and with 96 and, and all those things. We talked about that on the show with Philippe. Um, I do want to talk about the politics of this as well. Like, I mean, we talked about the politics of it, but the Freeland specific politics of it, mm-hmm. um, which to me was very interesting, right? She because this debate's sort of raging. Obviously, if you come out in favor of yes, yeah, you should speak French, it's going to be popular in Quebec. So she sends this letter to the board to say he should have a French tutor and his performance review, which obviously is related to his compensation should be tied to his abilities to learn or efforts or whatever. This miraculously made its way in the public eye, which is then reported on very widely. Um, I have heard that this part of this has been posed to me is that this was a bit of her effort to raise her profile in Quebec, especially in keeping with the fact that she has leadership ambitions. Mm. Um, Would you, I see you kind of nodding. Would you you know, either Philippe Andre, would you agree with that? Is that what that was about? Because it, it just struck me as very strange that the, I understand the politics of it, but she's like the deputy PM of Canada and we got a lot of stuff going on. I feel like weighing in on whether or not the Air Canada CEO does French lessons. It shouldn't be really on her docket.
2: Well, I mean, Philip she,
1: she, <laughs> <laughs> she does.
2: She does have leadership ambitions. I mean, I, I think I think that's clear. Everybody knows that, and and it was it was a way to probably endear herself, or at least make her sympathetic, you know, so at some point down the line with with French speaking Quebecers. Clearly, um, that that's been part of it. I think, indirectly, um, I think it also it was also a godsend for the board of Air Canada. Because it gave them a way out, and because they would have been, you know, they would have had the question: Do you keep the CEO or not? And I think, and I think this, the letter actually gave them the out to say, oh, you know what, we're gonna, we're and and they have answered positively to to her to her three points in the letter, and basically saying, yes, he and he has apparently he has started taking French courses. And they will, and you know, the next meeting, they will look at, at how we can, they can tie in his, his you know, progress in speaking French and, and compensation. So in that sense, there's like, a, I think it was a win-win. Uh, it was a win for, for Freeland politically, but I think it was also a win for the board of, of, of AC, uh, being able to find an elegant way out uh, of, a, of a touchy situation that wasn't going away before that letter. I mean, it had been a week uh, front page in La Presse and Le Journal de Montréal.
1: Yeah, in Quebec, Amanda, this was really a huge controversy where everyone sort of took a stand. I'd say 90% of people here took a stand, uh, you know, uh, uh, unfavorable or critical of Mr. Rousseau. And so it, it's the reputational damage to Air Canada is, is considerable. Uh, uh, also, considering the fact that, you know, Air Canada is not. most popular airline in the world in Canada as we know (laughs) we all have our complaints and and French speaking Canadians have an additional complaint besides service and delays and whatever it is that sometimes it happens that they can't be served in their own in their own language and so this was a huge controversy and just putting aside for a moment the political questions for Air Canada from a business standpoint because I heard you say geez when when Philip mentioned that you know maybe the board would would have to think about getting rid of Mr. Rousseau. Well, from a business standpoint, the impact of this will be felt by Canada. I can guarantee you that in the next couple of years, French speaking Quebecers, including business people, work in English most of their day, Will choose another airline instead of Air Canada if they have the choice. Of course, in many cases, we don't have the choice. Uh, so the business aspect of this and the political aspect of this is 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 considerable in the province.
0: That, that's I, fascinating I, to me. Go ahead, Philippe. Like I'm literally, I, I knew this was a thing, but obviously, like I don't have the antenna, which is why this morning I was like, I had a whole other show plan, and I'm like, nope. I want these guys on, and I want to talk about this because I want to understand it because I think the rest of us just don't. Like, don't get it. Like, we don't get it here in English Canada. So sorry, Philippe, I interrupted you. I, I was going to
2: say, you know, we, we I was just going to add a, a, qu- a quick comment is we all, you know, it's, it's a Canadian sport to beat up on Air Canada as it is to, to hate the Maple Leafs for, <laughs> for many of us across the country, not all. Um, but the, the sad thing is this event basically took out a whole bunch of goodwill. And, and, and you know, Andre talked about, about complaints about, you know, Air Canada not always being bilingual, being a frequent uh, traveler at some point, at least pre-COVID, could be could have been uh, labeled a road warrior. Um, Air Canada's has actually done a hell of a good job at getting uh, at getting better in terms of service in terms of in terms of being able to serve in both official languages, and I think within a week, um, at least in Quebec, what what Rousseau did is he wiped out a whole a. Whole, You know 10 years seven to 10 years of good work of really revamping the business of really taking that turn towards towards better service to to their to their to the traveler uh you know so wiped a lot of that away in one single (laughs) quote
0: so we are in the business a navigator of reputation management recovery crisis so you are both this is actually one of the few crises in canada usually we can't talk about any of the Canadian creating crises because they're our clients (laughs) but this is one way i was like oh i can talk about this one so let's pretend that you and andre are in the boardroom with the big wigs at air canada um you know andre you talked about you know reputation recovery so what what would you be telling him to do i mean other than obviously get busy with your french tutor um You know shots whatever chapeau like what else do we need would we need him to be up to in the next you, you think he should be doing the next couple of weeks well i this?
1: i you know i don't know what philip uh, thinks about this but i think they've actually done what they should have done that is First of all, he committed to learning French. Uh, I think they could have done a bit better in the communicating of this. I think they should have committed Mr. Rousseau to come back to the Montreal Chamber of of Commerce next year and to deliver his speech in French. I think they should have gone that far. Uh, difficult but feasible but I think most importantly they've also committed that reviewing their policy on official languages or at least the implementation of their policy and uh, I hope this is not simply something that is you know they just wrote down for to look good uh, because I, I agree with Philip they have done uh, they have worked hard but there's still many many anecdotes of things that you know, are not satisfactory. So I hope they look at this closely and work hard to make this even better. Um, and the board has to think, frankly, what they will do next when there's a they have to choose another CEO. And, um, you know, there's a discussion of, well, should they choose a bilingual CEO or choose the, you know, the most competent CEO? Well, I think there's a way of doing both. First of all, there are lots of you know, very good managers who speak both official languages, not perfectly, but, you know, I don't speak perfectly English, and I, w- I think your manage. English is
0: wonderful, as I tell you every time you come on <laughs> the podcast, but thank you, Andre.
1: Thank you. I, I, I like to hear you say this, which is why I always mention that my English is not good <laughs> enough, right? So you can <laughs> say it's good. Thank you very much. Um, but so, you know, I think it, it, it certainly shows that for private companies that are former Crown Corporations, and maybe other companies like SNC, that they can choose the best CEO there is available on earth. But if, if this company has its head office in, in Montreal and has large, you know, does a lot of business in Quebec, they should, the this future CEO should at least commit to learning, to try to learn French and be able to do, to re, at least read part of his or her speech in French when he or she addresses uh, you know the Quebec business community. Uh, I think that's a minimum that is uh, that would be expected certainly for from Air Canada and from other large corporations who do business in Quebec.
0: Philippe what's your uh, advice uh, to your Canada? I know they're listening obviously.
1: Exactly as
2: as, as every Canadian is at, at this point <laughs> but um Two things one is you know we like to we, when we go into crises here at Navigator, we like to, we like to tell clients you know figure out the end game quickly mm-hmm. yep. and get there as quickly as you can. And I think the, the mistake air Canada did is they didn't get to to the end game as quickly as they should have. Uh, that's number one because uh, I think in the end they are they are getting they are landing in the right place. Uh, for, sorry for the pun, but they are safely landing <laughs> at, at, in the right place. But they could have gotten there a lot quicker and saved themselves a whole bunch of headaches. That's number one. Two, and this is not this is not a communications advice. It's more it's more board experience advice. Um, and having served on, on many boards uh, and chaired many you know public and and, and not and and, and not for profits and private company boards. Um, One of the things that you that you need to own as a board is the reputation and you've got to make sure that your C-suite has a reputation of the organization at the forefront. And I think one of the issues here and and if we can believe all the stories that that there's leaking out about how they got to the English speech and how uh, the Commissioner for Official Languages had had given a heads up a couple of days before the speech. Be careful! You you know you can't do this just in English. Where people internally, apparently in the C-suite in the communications shop, had advised the CEO not to go ahead with this and and to make sure that there's a you know, abundant amount of French in the speech if he was going to go ahead. Hearing that those messages were not heard by the CEO um, as a board member, I would uh, I would start to question um, really the you know part of you know this is this guy too tone deaf to really look out for what is, you know, probably one of Canada's, you know, strongest brands, Air Canada, whether we agree with, with whether they're doing a great job or not, whether planes are always on time or not, it is, it is a very well-known and strong brand. I mean, everybody knows what Air Canada is. There's no question, right? So it is a strong brand. Now you're hurting that brand. And clearly you were too tone deaf to figure it out. That would give me some ponder. I would stop, as a board member, I would stop and ponder on that a little bit.
0: All right. Well, listeners at home, you can ponder on this advice, and we will see (laughs) if it is followed. Um, I think you're. I think you're right, Andre, about a French speech. Um, although we'll see if that uh, that'll be in the offing. And Philippe, I think but, it's an excellent and point. And it's feasible,
1: Amanda. It's feasible. You know, remember the audit, the former Auditor General, uh, Mr. Michael Ferguson, when he was appointed from New Brunswick, when he was appointed as Auditor General of Canada. He was, I think, in his early 50s, and he couldn't speak French and there was a lot of criticism and he decided that he would speak French and at the end of his mandate he could give press conferences and not only read, he could speak French, answer questions in French. It was very impressive. So I think it can it's it's hard to learn a second or a third language when you're in your fifties or your sixties, but it's possible.
0: C'est possible. And on, 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 on that
2: I would I would I would add on to what Andre just said, but if if Mr. Russo shows up at the Montreal Board of Trade, November 2022, and delivers his speech in French, whether he stumbles through it or you know gets through it without without a mistake, he will get a standing ovation, just for the effort and just for and just for just for again the effort that he's put in the last year. Um, I think Quebecers are forgiving and would just they just want him to see they just want to see him do an effort and actually progress.
0: Yes, and as someone who's watched someone stumble through speeches many a time <laughs> and places, I also will do standing ovation just for it to be over. So I'm sure that will <laughs> Oh my Well, uh, thank you both for the insight. Um, I've got to say, you kind of flipped me a little bit on this one. Uh, I was originally like, this is ridiculous. And I've now, I feel there are many nuances as usual. Um, so thanks for coming on. Thanks for educating me about both the sensitivities, and I will be a less um, opinionated anglophone. Uh, going forward.
1: Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you.
0: Political traction is powered by Navigator, Canada's leading high-stakes public affairs firm. Our show is produced by John Gardner, Kimberly Drapak, and Matt Barnes. A very special thank you goes out to this week's guests, Philippe Javet and André Pratt. If you like this episode, be sure to rate us online or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Amanda Galbraith. I'll see you next Friday.